Hi, I'm Greta. Hi, I'm Millie. And you're listening to The Books We Meet in the Library. A bookish podcast about reading and the book community. Millie, what are you currently reading? So I'm currently reading a YA contemporary book to start off the year um, because I'm trying to like revive my love for YA contemporary. Um, So, so far it's going good. I'm like 30% into the book. I'm trying to get the feels for it. It's an author that I've loved from before. So just kind of like seeing what they're up with. Um, I'm not talking about the title uh, for the podcast or the author's name, because um, unfortunately, they are part of the strike that's currently going on, which we'll talk about at the end of this podcast. I'm only 30% into this book. And I'm like, happy place Emily Henry vibes right now like I'm kind of gaslighting myself I'm like I like this book right right I like it (laughs) what does that happen to us all the time (laughs) I know so Greta what are you currently reading I am starting my literary fiction journey of 2024 and I'm starting off with a really short novel it's called Paradise Rot by Jenny Half Halve, I think it's how you pronounce it, mm-hmm. or Valve, because it has an H. It's H V A L. Anyways, um, this book is very very short, and all I have to say is that if you have watched the movie Saltburn and you liked the movie Saltburn, you are gonna be interested in this book. Ooh, interesting. I'm excited to see your literary journey this year. I just feel like it's gonna be a lot of weird girl books and like yeah. important topic kind of books. That's literally, I mean, okay, um, last weekend, okay, quick little wrap before we get started on what we're talking about today, but last weekend, um, I went on, like, a pretty much like a book shopping spree. It was delicious and amazing. Um, Millie was gracious enough to give me a gift card to my favorite bookshop um, for Christmas, uh, and then I had another gift card for the same bookshop um, that I got for my birthday, so... The first day that they were open again, I went to the bookstore and I cleared house. And what I didn't find there, I went to Barnes and Nobles and I got. I saw that stack and I was so surprised because I've never seen you buy that many books in like one day. Yeah. No. So, I mean, I kind of mentioned this in the last podcast, but I really want to be more of an intentional reader. I really want to like, you know, enjoy the book, savor the book and like actually like read the book, not just like, not just do it because I feel like I'm trying to meet a number, but like actually, you know, engage with it. Um, So part of that was getting a bunch of like physical books that I was actually going to read this year. So... I bought my books. I bought a good chunk of the goal that I'm going to be trying to achieve this year. And I'm just going to like, you know, slowly make my way through. So my what am I currently reading is going to be a lot of the same, I feel, every single week. But it's gonna it's gonna be good. I'm really excited. Oh my gosh, the person at the um checkout at the book catapult in San Diego, that is my favorite bookstore on the face of the earth. Um, after I gave them like my stack of books, they were like, Wow, this is such a like nicely curated like selection. Like this is very curated. You did a great job. And I was like, Thank you so much for saying that. Like, that is the highest of high compliments. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the sweetest thing I've heard all day. It was so I died. It's like I died. It I tried. 
I tried. No, literally, I was like, thank you so much. Like, you could not have given me a higher compliment. Like, it was so good. So, yeah, I'm very excited. But, yes, it is a bunch of weird girl books. So, if you're into that sort of thing, you know, just listen every other week where (laughs) you might get a new recommendation from me. All right. Moving into the first book that we're going to review for 2024. So, we decided to kind of start off on a shorter book, kind of easing our way into the new year. Um, So this is kind of a magic realism, kind of uh, fabulous literary fiction that is Japanese translated. Um, So this is definitely something brand new that we haven't read on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the first time that we're going to talk about it. I actually just finished the book five minutes before we got set up for this podcast. I mean, I knew I was going to be able to finish it in time, but I was really cutting it close. No, me too. I literally finished the book like at work today. Like I was listening to it on audiobook. I'm sure you saw me hit the I'm finished on Goodreads mm-hmm. um, because it almost feels like I was procrastinating on my homework. I was like, oh, I can do it. I can give you a full report. It psychs you out because it's such a short book. So you're like, I'm going to finish it. Like, it's going to be so easy. But then you actually have to, like, sit down and read the book and finish it. It's because this book has, like, four chapters and the chapters are long. Mm-hmm. Oh, so speaking of which, the name of the book is, co- is called Before the Coffee Gets Cold um, by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. Translated by Jeffrey Truslot. Um, so we're going to be butchering names we're going to try our hardest today. That's true. We are going to, there's a lot of Japanese character names uh, that we are going to try our best to pronounce as closely as possibly we can, but do bear with us. Um, neither of us speak Japanese. So, um, so we are going to be using the call pile rating system created by G from Book Roast. Um, so this is a rating system compiled of seven different categories. We have character, atmosphere, writing, plot, intrigue, logic, and enjoyment. So we rate it from one through 10, average it out, and then we get a number that gives us our star rating. So this is our first time going through our ratings for this book. Um, And taking a look at it, I have a feeling that we have different um, feelings about this book. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be another Paranisi. Oh my God, is it? It ain't so. Oh, God. Okay. So starting off with characters, um, I rated it five. What did you rate it? I rated it eight. For atmosphere, I gave it seven. What did you do? I also gave it a seven for atmosphere. For writing, I gave it a six. But please note that I put an asterisk and I will explain my rating for writing later. Giving writing a rating was definitely the most difficult part for me. Um, And I gave it a seven. And I also have like a footnote on that. Um, For plot, I gave it a nine. For plot, I gave it a nine as well. For intrigue, I gave it a seven. I gave it a nine. For logic, I gave it an eight. For logic, although we are doing time traveling, I also gave it an eight. Uh, For enjoyment, I gave it a six. For enjoyment, I gave it an eight. Overall rating, um, I gave it a 6.8, which translates to three stars. Um, in my mind, this book is a 3.5, but I will be rating it three stars on Goodreads. I got a flat, straight line eight, and that is a solid kind of four star for me. Okay. So I think 
I mean, our ratings are not that far off, but I think Mm -mm. I enjoyed it a little bit less than you. So I'm curious to see what parts we agree and disagree with this book going forward. Me too. So the current Goodreads rating is literally kind of smack dab in the middle of both of our ratings. Uh, Currently on Goodreads, we have a 3.71. So honestly, that fits very nicely right where we are. Um, And then trigger warnings going into this book. It does mention Alzheimer's disease, car accidents, fatal car accidents, um, chronic illness, death, pregnancy, and terminal illness. All right. And now for everybody's favorite part of this fucking podcast. (laughs) I'm going to try so hard, I promise. Okay. The Goodreads synopsis. In a small back alley in Tokyo, there's a cafe which has been serving carefully brewed coffee for more than 100 years. But this coffee shop offers its characters a unique experience, the chance to travel back in time. In Before the Coffee Gets Cold, we meet four visitors, each of whom is hoping to make use of the cafe's time-traveling offers in order to confront the man who left them, receive a letter from their husband whose memory has been taken by early-onset Alzheimer's, to see their sister one last time, and to meet the daughter they never got a chance to know. But the journey into the past does not come without risk. Customers must sit in a particular seat, they cannot leave the cafe, and finally, they must return to the present before the coffee gets cold. Toshikazu Kawaguchi's beautiful, moving story explores the gold age question, what would you change if you can travel back in time? More importantly, who would you want to meet? Maybe for one last time. So, I didn't read the synops going into the, the synopsis going into the book. So I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So when I first started reading this book, I was literally having a beautiful sunshine day with my friends. My friends and I love to do this thing called sunshine days where we literally go to our favorite park and we just lay out in the sun with like a little picnic snack situation and just read. And when I tell you I started, I literally was going to pass out. I was like, this cannot be. I posted that you were reading this book on Sunshine Day, and I remember texting you, like, not this book on Sunshine Day. You picked, like, the saddest book to read. Yeah, holy moly. I did not. Okay. I I mean, I like going into books not knowing what to expect. Um, And honestly, it was probably for the better because this completely blindsided me. I was under the impression that this was going to be a nice little cozy read. No. <laughs> Not cozy. No. Literally everybody talk- who talks about this book talks about how sad this book is. It's a lot. Okay. It is. Alright. So um, there are three characters that are kind of like our main characters. We kind of follow them throughout the entire story. We have Nagare. Um, this character is the co-owned co-owns uh funiculae funiculae that's a cafe um we have kazu who is responsible for performing the coffee pouring ceremony and takes people that takes people either forward and backward in time and then we have k who is also an employee at the cafe like i mentioned earlier this book is split into four parts and that's kind of how we're going to do a summary of it today um so in this book There are definitely many strict rules, many strict guidelines um, for how all of this time traveling can happen. 
Um, so one of the main rules is that you cannot leave your seat. The customer has to sit at a specific table at a specific seat and they have to remain in that seat even when they time travel. Um, you cannot change the past. You can only meet people who have been to that cafe before and you can only stay until just before the coffee gets cold. So there is a really, really strict time constraint. There's also one more rule. There's a ghost that haunts the cafe um, and she sits in that chair 24 seven, except for once a day, she gets up from her seat to go to the bathroom. And that's the only time that you can use that seat. And if you try to remove the ghost from the seat, she puts a curse on you. Okay. How did you feel about these rules for time travel? I equally like them and dislike them. Okay. Um, so part of the reason why I like them is because I'm the kind of person that I really like hard systems in books. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what that means is that I like things to be explained. I like there to be rules and, and guidelines because for me as the reader, I can kind of follow along with what's going on. And I don't have that whole like, oh, suddenly this happens because the characters just suddenly do this because the author decided on a whim, let's do this because it works better for my plot. I like there to be rules set in place and that the authors follow their own rules. So mm -hmm. on that note, I really like that the author did this because they didn't just make it like a willy nilly time traveling thing. They made it so specific that you really, really have to be dedicated in order to go through this whole process. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it felt so unbelievably strict and convoluted that I, I also felt like it was kind of working to only have specific type of characters mm -hmm. uh, be the ones that time travel. And I didn't really know how I felt about that. So I like the rules. And at the same time, I found them annoying. I can kind of see why you would find them annoying. Um, because they're definitely there's a certain personality type that is not only going to remember all of these rules, but also be like, okay, I am going to do this. Because another thing that it's kind of like, kind of lightly mentioned and i didn't pick up on this until the very end once you time travel you can only time travel one time after that you're kind of done um i didn't realize this until the very end so i was like ah. I, I was kind of like oh you can go back no i don't think they mentioned it until oh. the very end oh shit okay that would make sense i thought i was going crazy for me i kind of feel like the rules did work in the sense because if i heard all of these rules i would be like no, it isn't worth it. Because if you break any of the rules, you become the new ghost and you are stuck in this endless loop. Like you get trapped mm. in this time limbo. And for me, I'd be like, oh no, the risk is not worth it. To time travel for literally a couple of minutes. That's it. I did very much like that. Like literally within the first chapter, within the first couple pages, you are given this like rule book. And it's just like blank, 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 blank. Do not fuck up. And the person that delivers it um, is Kazu. And Kazu doesn't care. Kazu is here to do her job. And that's it. That, that's literally it. She's like, listen, I'm just here to give you your coffee and clock in and clock out and I'm out. And like, I have mad respect for that. <laughs> As like having worked retail before and you having worked food service. Like I can only just like, I am here to like, do this job and these are, the, these are the rules follow them or don't but that's none of my business yeah so the rules do get explained in the first part because in the first part it's titled the lovers and um and this one will just give you the really brief synopsis of each part um so in the lovers we meet um fumiko 
who wants to go back in time to redo the last conversation that she had with her ex, Goro, before he left the country. Um, in the past, Fumiko learns that Goro was insecure about their relationship, and he asks her to wait three years until he returns to Japan. And Fumiko returns to the present, like with rune, like renewed hope for their future together. So, how did you feel going into this first part with this first storyline? Um, this might be the interaction that I least enjoyed. I agree. Um, yeah. This was a very kind of interesting way of going into the book, considering the next couple stories are so hard-hitting, especially story number two and story number four. Those I literally wanted. I was, sob I was sobbing at work, okay? Um, this one was okay. I mean, honestly, I think Fumiko is kind of a pick-me-choose-me-love-me character, and I can't stand her for being so down bad for a man who is so insecure about himself. Um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so for this one, it was definitely my least favorite, but I think it was so smart of the author to make this be the first story because all of the other characters are intertwined with all of the different stories. And Fumiko mm -hmm. really is a stranger to all of this, but it helps because all of the other characters know the rules. But since she's mm -hmm. a stranger and she's being introduced to the story, you as the reader get to also experience learning about the rules for the first time with this character. Mm -hmm. And it's also the one that's the most impersonable. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's the least amount of, like, emotional pull to it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was a good way as, like, a starter one to just kind of dip your feet into it and kind of get a feel for the book. So in that sense, I think the author was really smart in making this be the first story. But the downside is that I was, like, really, really uninterested with this first part and so i was like how is the rest of this gonna go because i didn't care for part one that's definitely true um it was just i i just didn't care for the characters in part one um so i started to kind of check out after this first section but then part two literally hit me with a one two ko punch so part two is called husband and wife um so we have a cafe regular um kotake who is also a nurse and she goes back in time to receive a letter from her husband Fusagi. Um, now, Fusagi has early onset Alzheimer's, and Fusagi also visits this cafe regularly. Um, and he is also attempting to go back in time and give um, this letter to his wife, or who he like thinks like he's like I have to like he has a, more like a feeling that he has to give this to his wife. Um, but um, Kotaki is the person that goes back in time. Um, in the past, she learns that the letter that Fusagi had for her pretty much tells her to leave the relationship if he no longer recognizes her as his wife. Um, because obviously he knows that she is a nurse and that she is going to want to do everything to take care of him because that is her husband and she obviously loves him but he's pretty much saying like hey i never want to not know you as my wife and i never want to cause you that pain so oh my god i'm getting teared up just like talking about this because it's so sad um and yeah so um kotake is profoundly moved and in the present she decides to keep on acting as um fusagi's wife even if he doesn't remember her okay now obviously this part i was sobbing at work Millie I literally was like I need to take a two second break to like go cry in the bathroom <laughs> like, 
So I was reading this in the morning time on one of my husband's days off and he's just like <laughs> sitting like on the other side of the couch drinking his coffee just scrolling his phone just like unaware that I'm having like a mental emotional breakdown next to him um I read this part and it hit me so hard it hit yeah. me so hard and I started just busting out crying he's like what's wrong and I was like I'm sad give me a hug <laughs> like it was so bad. Um, but I, I think that part two was was the best written and it was the most emotional out of all the parts. Yes. It really yes. did its job in making you mm -hmm. sob. Literally, um, if you like the first three minutes of the movie up, you are going to like this chapter. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Like, mm -hmm. it's so heart-wrenching. And if you... If, like, I, I don't even have a partner, and I can only imagine what you felt staring at your husband and just being like, oh my god, if this happens to one of us, what's happened? It's frightful, frightful. If you have dealt at all with anybody who has memory loss, it is the most, it's, it's so sad. It is so sad. So, yeah, no, the absolute, honestly, what could possibly be the best part of the best part, best story, whatever, in this book. Mm-hmm. 100%. So moving on to part three, this one is called The Sisters. So we have another cafe regular who is um, Hirai, and she goes back to apologize to her late sister, Kumi. So Hirai had to let, leave home, um, and she didn't end up running the family in. And because of that, she was disowned by her parents. And she avoided Kumi for years, assuming that she was bitter because she had to take over the family inn instead of her. Um, in the past, however, she learns that Kumi still loved her and dreamed that they would run the inn together. So in the present timeline, um, Hirai returns home and starts to mend her family relationships. So for this part, um, I think Hirai stood out as a character. She mm -hmm. was way more distinguishable than the other ones because of her personality. And it was a very, it's a type of personality that you don't tend to see in Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why she stood out so much. Mm -hmm. So I did really appreciate that. I wasn't as invested in her part because it was kind of the whole like, she definitely has a lot of regrets because she chose to avoid her sister for like a literal decade. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's only after she dies in a car accident that she's like, oh shit, I probably should have talk to my sister like the 20 times that she tried to visit me over the last decade and yeah. I had been like avoiding her. Yeah, Hirai is a very abrasive character and honestly, it just, it, she kind of pissed me off. There was um, a section, well, when she goes back in time to meet Kumi, um, Kumi's like, oh yeah, well, I mean, like you didn't open the door when I was literally standing outside of your apartment knocking on the door and the light was on and we come to learn that Hirai literally pretended to be too drunk that she could not remember her sister one night when she saw her and like walked across the street. Like Hirai is not a good person. No. I understand that the story was about experiencing regrets in life and it was supposed mm -hmm. to teach the reader like, you know, don't run away from those conversations because you might not have the chance to ever have that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and she got some closure by being able to have that conversation with her sister and like see her one more time. Um, and know that it's, like, her chance to say goodbye to her sister. Mm -hmm. um, but I just didn't feel sympathy for this character who was going through this grief. Because it's, like, I, I didn't see 
the familial love between these mm-hmm. two characters. Mm-hmm. Even when they have that conversation, when um, they go back in time, Hirai is so hung up on don't tell her that she's gonna die don't tell her to like don't tell her to go home because she's gonna die like she's so hung up on trying to keep her sister alive knowing that whatever she does in the past is not gonna have any effect on the future because that's one of the rules that she doesn't really like she doesn't get the closure that she like from like i was looking for um i was really looking for like kind of like a very kind of sweet moment where she is almost like sincere um and at the end right right as the coffee is like starting to get cold we get this like hesitancy where she's like do i like drink the coffee do i not drink the coffee i want to see my sister one last time and it's like it it, it seems very mm, self-serving and it seems like it's something that she needed to do for herself and it all she just needed it it just felt very self-serving to me (laughs) like it was like it was closure but for me Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because both of these stories, like comparing part three and part two, have very emotional, uh, systematic kind of storytelling where it's about a character who's essentially lost a loved one, either due to like literally they passed away or they can no longer remember their significant other. And they're going back in the past so that they can see their loved one one more time before they no longer know who they are. Mm-hmm. But we just get such a completely different reaction from both of these stories because one felt so genuine and sincere and you can feel the emotion between all of the characters. And in this one, we were just like missing that connection. I And like, I honestly don't know what could have given me that. Um, I'm not entirely sure like what aspect or like what words or what conversation was missing. It just felt like there was... There wasn't enough familiarity between these two characters. And honestly, that might have been on purpose. That might have been due to the fact that they didn't speak to each other in like 10 years, you know? So uh, this one was like definitely not my favorite of the four stories. Yeah, it was kind of a miss for me as well. Okay, why am I getting like the most sad fucking stories? (laughs) (laughs) The most sad sections. Okay, part four is called Mother and Child. So the cafe owner, Kai, goes into the future to meet her child, knowing that she might die during childbirth. Okay, so Kai is one of the co-owners of the cafe, and um, during this chapter, we kind of get some background in that she is well aware that she cannot do a lot of physical activity, and she's well aware that she, like, leads a slower life on purpose. Um, We also find out that the other cafe owner is Kai's husband, And um, Kai wants to have a child and her husband, rightfully so, knows that he cannot tell Kai whether to or not to have the child. It is entirely upon Kai's decision. I loved that. Anyways, so Kai, knowing that she might die while giving birth, um, decides to go into the future to meet her child. So Kai mistakenly goes to the wrong time and struggles to connect with her daughter, Mickey, but Mickey thanks Kai by saying that she is grateful for the life that she has given her. She is supported by um, her father and her auntie Kazu, who is another, who's the other coworker at um, at the shop, and Fumiko, who is another coworker, and even Goro, who steps in to run the cafe later on. Kai returns to the present and is kind of like reassured. So 
this section, I just very briefly gave a description of this chapter, but this, there's a lot of like lore that kind of comes with this last section. So we learn that we can also travel into the future, but that's a very difficult thing to do because both people need to be there like at the same time need to be in the cafe at the same time and that's much harder to predict than in the past right in the past you know you were there with your husband so you know exactly when you can travel back to that time and place um in the future it's a little bit more difficult so pretty much what kai does is um kai tells kazu like hey meet me at this day meet me at this time but kai goes to the wrong time and then she um just happens to run into Mickey there, um, who is now in charge of serving the tea for people who come and sit in the time traveling chair. Um, this part was so sad. <laughs> it was so sad. And all it was sad, but the way that Kai goes about um, the conversation with Mickey and the way that Mickey is just kind of like, you know, thank you so much for giving me this life and I'm very grateful for it. And the way that Kai is like, listen, you're happy, you're healthy. That's all I could ask for. I was like, Jesus, how can you be so pragmatic about this? Like, this is incredible. I would have been screaming, crying, throwing up. Like, what do you mean? And I think I, this is the one part where we had opposite reactions. Okay, go on. I knew it was emotional. Like, the logical part of me was like, oh, this is really, this is really hard. Like, this is, wow, this is really tough. I couldn't feel anything. <laughs> I I was just, like, reading it, and I was just like, okay. But, like, it didn't hit me. Like, the second one hit me so strong. Oh, yeah. And this one felt like the other three. Okay. And I was just like, I feel like this one should have a bigger pull on me, but it didn't. Okay, honestly, this is such a random thing to, like, hyper-focus on. But the thing that surprised me the most with this part was the fact that in the future, Fumiko and Goro work at this cafe. Yeah. Because I'm just like, <laughs> the randos from part one now work at this cafe. And I was yeah. just like, that part threw me off because I was like... Why would they work at this cafe? Like, yeah, no, I thought that too. I was like, what the hell's going on here? But yeah. I mean, they guess they do. So, okay. No, I totally understand what you were saying. I definitely had the most visceral reaction to part two. Um, part four was definitely my like second. It definitely got like the second biggest reaction out of me. Um, so, I mean, my ranking, not the, like there's a ranking, but like uh, part two. There is. Part <laughs> part two, there is. part four, part three, part one. Exactly, same. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm happy we agree on that regard. All right. Mm -hmm. Now let's let's talk about this book because I have things to say. <laughs> I do too. Um, let's first talk about the one ranking that I gave the lowest, which was the characters. Um, okay. because I gave that one a five out of ten. Mm -hmm. Um the reason why was because in the beginning, I couldn't tell the characters apart. Like, I had a okay. really hard time telling all of the people who work there apart and their relationship to each other um, mm -hmm. and distinguishing them from the regular customers as well. Mm -hmm. um, so in the beginning, it was just a little hard for me. And I don't know why. I did read this as an ebook, and you listened to it as an audiobook. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It should have been easier for me to pick it apart since I'm like, 
physically mm-hmm. seeing the names and the descriptions, mm-hmm. but it just didn't sync up with me. And the second thing was once I did figure out who was who, the characters felt very flat to me. Okay. So I just didn't have like a very memorable impression of the characters in this book. Mm-hmm. No, I totally get what you're saying. So um, at first, I thought that that might have been my like a me issue that because again, we, we've I've talked about this before uh, books with a large ensemble of characters, half of those characters are literally going to go over my head. Like I'm just not going to pick up on all of the nuances. But so at first I thought it was me. I thought it was me. And I was like, maybe it's like, the translation or because these names are in Japanese, I'm not familiar. Like I'm not accustomed to reading these names and therefore it's not like sticking in my head. So I I, I was like, I'm the issue. Um, but I did see this come up in a lot of other reviews where the book was, they felt a lot of other people felt like the characters weren't flushed out enough. Therefore they couldn't get invested in them enough to really like, pick up on like the nuances between each characters which i can totally see this book is definitely not so character based and it's a lot more like story and kind of what happens and a lot more like what like almost like what are you taking away from these stories you could replace these characters names with character a character b character c and you're still going to get the same outcome or at least kind of what the same like what i got out of the book which is like what are these stories trying to teach you so i completely agree with this and i think that that ties in with the second point which is the writing Mm -hmm. um i have such a bone to pick with the writing and at the same time it feels so unfair so there's two parts to why the writing didn't work for me The first reason is that I think this is actually my first translated work that I've read. Me too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think think I've read actually one more in college, but I remember also having a difficult time with this book. But this is the first one I've read in years. And um, I think there's a reason why I don't gravitate personally to translated works. And it's not because I don't want to read books from other countries or other cultures it's because when it's translated you kind of lose part of the essence and the writing is kind of choppy or it just it feels off there's something off about it and it's so much better to obviously read it in its original language and the way that it's originally supposed to be structured so i think off the bat the writing wasn't working for me because it felt so choppy because it it was being translated. And that's nothing against the actual translator. I'm sure they did a good job. It just, it didn't read the same way that it probably would if I had read it in Japanese, if I knew how to read in Japanese. The second thing is that the author, the Japanese author of this book is a playwriter. He's a screenwriter. And that makes so much more sense because this book should have been formatted like a play. Yeah. And it would have made so much more sense because if you notice in the book, they're in the same room. They're mm-hmm. in the cafe the entire story. At mm-hmm. no point do we leave the cafe. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect setting backdrop for a play. And I think that if this book was more character driven instead of plot driven, because we don't have to worry about all this setting change. It's all these characters coming into the same scene. Mm-hmm. If we had more interaction with the characters and their dialogue and also the fact that with playwriting 
you get descriptions of what the characters are doing that's separate from the dialogue, and that could really have an insight to the different characters to make them more distinguishable. So I think it was kind of a missed opportunity for this not to have been written like a play. Mm, I see what you mean. That actually, I, I didn't know about the author being a playwriter, which makes a lot of sense because I can literally, I can picture this. I can picture this being like done as a play at, at like a small theater, you know? Um, what you mentioned about the translation, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I ended up giving the writing a seven and again, I felt like that was, that's a lot to do with me almost. I feel, um, because I just, I felt like we were missing so much nuance that we could have gotten having it been in the same language. Um, one thing that I think about constantly is how in other languages there are single words that replace entire phrases or sentences or have or evoke feelings that you require entire sentences in English to describe. Um, and I just kept on thinking that while reading this book. I kept on being like, I'm sure there's a much more beautiful, nuanced way to say this in Japanese. And I am missing it because I don't know Japanese and I am reading a translated version. Um, with that being said, I gave it a seven. It didn't seem fair to give it a low score on rating because I was reading a translation knowing and being so well aware that I'm missing out on a lot of the nuance that you get from the original language. Does that make sense? I feel the same way. No, I feel the same way and I totally get that. And I think the reason why I did score it lower was because it was not only the fact that it read very choppy to me because of the translation, mm -hmm. but I also kind of docked points in my head because I was like, this is written in the wrong format. Like you mm -hmm. missed out on the opportunity to, to write it like a play because yeah. honestly, the parts where we got the most like background knowledge interaction is there would be little parts where the characters are drinking the coffee, they're traveling in time. And then suddenly we get like a flashback for the reader yeah. where they get more background information on just mm -hmm. the context of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't have that, this book would have been, it, it wouldn't have hit. It would have fallen very, very, very flat. Because we needed that background knowledge in order to have that emotional connection to these characters. And that's why it had to be written as a literary, like, fiction versus a playwright. But then if we're able to get more of the dialogue to see the interactions, that would make up for all of these flashbacks. Even the tiny nuances like that we were provided for some of these characters, like in um, the second story, we learn that the husband um, came from like a really, really poor upbringing and he didn't even really know how to write. So his penmanship and his writing skills was very kind of elementary. And but he would still go out of his way to like write his wife these like these story, these like these letters, and um, we learned that the wife would also she would write these letters to her husband, and there were moments where he couldn't even like really read them, so he had like his entire like community kind of help him decipher like stuff like that. Just you grab on to these characters, um, and we really got that the most in part two. Because part one, I could care less about Miss Girly Pop, who was like in love with this guy. Um, I could care less about 
Goro because he was literally like a fucking loser in my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Again, the same with Hirai. I couldn't really. Eh, she was definitely the most memorable, like you mentioned. Um, and Kumi, we just she Kum, Kumi to me was just a character who wanted to reconnect with her sibling. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And had an untimely death. And um, what's most kind of like sad is that we, in part four, part four is good when it comes to talking about uh, Kai, the mother and child. But Kai has been a character throughout this entire book. And the fact that we did not get a bigger payout to her story is a little bit disheartening. It is. And I mean, I think... The book does do a good job of having these central characters constantly being present in all of these different parts Mm -hmm. so that we're at least familiar with them. But I still wish that we got more. I wish it was more in depth. And it's not necessarily that it has to be longer. I just wish that, yeah, we focus less on the plot and we focus more on the characters because because of that, the plot is a bit repetitive. Mm -hmm. That's something that I wanted to talk about too. Especially in part one, with um uh Fumiko, that's the uh, lover girl. It took so long for her to travel back in time. Literally cyclical. The conversations we were having were very, very, very cyclical. Um, which I mean could be used as a literary device for you know time travel. But bringing your AP English out, got I'm, you. I'm trying. I'm trying. She's. I, I'm telling you, nuance. We're we're reading with nuance this year. Um, could it be used as a device, you know? But uh, I just wanted the story to keep on progressing. I know, and that's the thing is that like the first part, it was like okay, like a nice introduction. Let's get into it. Part two hit me like a fucking truck, and yeah. it was great, and it was wonderful and emotional. It's like, oh my god, now I see it. Now I get why this book is so hyped. It's gonna be a five star book. I love it. And then part three and part four were kind of like slow dwindle of like, oh, we're I'm kind of getting the same vibes as part one. Mm-hmm. So by the time that I I got to part four. I was no longer as invested, which is why my intrigue in the book kind of teetered off. Mm. And then by the end of it, I just felt disappointed by the Mm. book. And it sucks because the premise of this book is so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's so intriguing. Like, it makes you want to pick up the book. And I absolutely love when books are able to do fabulism in such a good way because I am so fucking picky about that genre. And so I was so hyped for this book because I was like, this plot sounds so good. And it just, it didn't hit. It didn't hit the way I wanted it to. One of my friends read this book and she also was like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what, like, I guess the hype was about or like, I don't understand why so many people talk so highly about it. I I understand the last two chapters kind of not being as impactful as the second one and like I, I totally understand your intrigue kind of dwindling um I guess my intrigue kind of stayed the same if not like it, it, it was the first the first part I could care less part two really piqued my interest part three eh, part four kind of it kind of rehooked me um and I think it was because of the introduction of being able to travel forward in time um that was something that had not been explored at all it kind of had been like 
hint, hint, nudge, nudge alluded to. Um, and so seeing somebody kind of like try to do that and kind of expand on this world, I was like, ooh, okay, there's more. There, there's more to this. Um, I, I very much liked that aspect of it. And you know that this book has companion novels because yes. there's four books in this series mm -hmm. and it looks like all of them are formatted the exact same way. Like we're continuing in the cafe. Um, we're continuing to have these short stories of these different characters mm -hmm. and I'm fairly certain that not all but majority of the cast of characters that are in the first book are also making cameos or reappearances in the other books and at first I was really excited about that because I was like oh my god we get even more of this this is great but then after reading the book I was like I am no longer interested in pursuing the other books in the series because I feel like it's going to be the same thing for every book. The second book is Mickey as kind of our Mickey who's Kai's daughter. Um, she is kind of like our main character in that in the second book. Um, so it takes it takes place in the future, which like is cool and it's good. And I feel like these type of books are. The books that you read in between, you're like your really long novels when you kind of need like a palate cleanser. It's like a, it, it, it honestly could be four novellas in one book. Like, um, maybe if you just gave them a little bit more like nuance, um, and more substance of the characters, it could easily be like four novellas. Um, but it definitely, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go back and read the other ones. I feel like, um, I will one because, I am terrified of what other emotions those books are going to make me feel. Um, two, because if they fall flat the same way that the part one, the lovers did, I'm going to be so upset. If it's a guarantee that all of the parts are going to hit like part two, I would 100% be picking up the sequel because that yeah. that part alone was so fucking good. Mm -hmm. And I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm disappointed that the rest of the book didn't like live up to those like 50 pages. They were so good. Yeah. I see like, okay, here's the thing. It's a double-edged sword though. It's a double-edged sword because if the rest, if the rest of the books, a, a guarantee, a guarantee part two, girl, I'm going to be emotionally scarred. Like, I don't know if I could do that to myself. Um, I would rather have this book destroy my soul than me leaving this book going, am I heartless? Like, okay, okay. Am I not feeling things? And I, don't, I honestly don't think that it's like, oh, you're not feeling things. I think that it's just because we weren't allowed enough time to invest in these characters and invest in they're like conflict resolution. So like I mentioned, each of these stories is very quick. It, you, you're introduced to the character, you're introduced to the central conflict, and then you're introduced and then you get the resolution. It happens within literally pages, <laughs> in literal seconds. Um, in the audiobook, each section is briefly an hour, which is briefly the length of a television show. Um, within that time, it's very hard. <laughs> to like um kind of become invested in the character while also getting enough background story while also getting the repetition of and this is how you time travel um which we could cut that out we could cut that out we could literally we could edit that out um i don't need to i don't need the rules explained to me every single time um and then yeah. you get the payout which is like that emotional moment with each character having like their back in time moment the one thing that i really enjoyed about this book was the sense of anxiety I felt regarding the fucking coffee. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. With every single story, all I could think about was, oh my God, the coffee's going to get cold. Oh my God, the coffee's going to get cold. <laughs> and I'm sure that might have been like done on purpose again, but mm-hmm. it caused me like as a third party, um, not like not being the one in the emotional seat. That's all I could think about. And it was making that that alone was making me anxious. Um, and it gave a sense of like time is literally slipping out of your hands and you cannot catch it, um, which is frightful. <laughs> so frightful. Yeah. Oh my God, no, like that, like all the rules and all the ways that you can easily accidentally break the rules did cause me a lot of anxiety. So I know that I wouldn't have really been able to do it unless I was desperate enough because the rules alone would have stopped me. Um, I did want to ask, like, what did you think about all of the specific messages? Because all of the parts kind of had a similar message, which was like, no, you can't change the past. You can't Mm -hmm. alter the future. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of the people who went on this time traveling journey were left changed when they returned, even though they had only a couple minute interactions. And some of the interactions weren't even that exciting. But mm-hmm. they still got something from that experience mm-hmm. and that propelled them to change how they view life and how they how they move in their future, even though they can't necessarily be with the people that they visited. So, I mean, we can kind of talk about each one by one, I guess. So part one, um, the takeaway kind of this one has the stupidest takeaway, in my opinion. So after the interaction, um, Fumiko Goro kind of gives Fumiko the hope that they were going to be together three years from now once he like figures his life out in the U.S. because he like moves to a different country. Um, It gave Fumiko this sense of like hope that she can be with this person in the future. And I think that is absolutely delusional. That was like the dumbest message you just got dumped and this man is telling you that you're gonna be together three years from now um the same man who felt widely insecure about being in the relationship with you because you're so much of a hot girl and he's not like i that pissed me off honestly i mean it did too because i felt like the whole point of that was for her to get closure because in that moment when they had the conversation she was just so thrown off and she didn't really get that closure and that lack of closure was really haunting her which is why she wanted to go to the past and like not only like change his mind but also like get that closure and it didn't really feel like she got it like she was fumbling with the conversation nothing productive was really happening he didn't even really get enough time to really talk about exactly what he was so insecure about mm-hmm. like it briefly talked about that and then mm-hmm. literally as her ghost self is leaving to go back to the present he's like wait for me in three years and i'm just like no no you're supposed to get closure not like yeah. kick the door wide open no like she literally did not get closer she gets str- she got strung along for three years and like mm-hmm. obviously there's like payout they are they do end up together as we know like in the last chapter but still ew <laughs> yeah because they could just have a conversation yeah. like like normal people like he's not hit the thing he's not dead she can pick up the phone, phone. and call him yes exactly That part was not, yeah. Okay, so part number two. (laughs) Will I I get choked up and cry again? I don't even know what the message in part two was, honestly. No, because I think that, like, it was all about the wife trying to get this letter that Mm -hmm. her husband kept wanting to give to her, but he couldn't remember who she was to give 
her the letter. And mm -hmm. okay, the easiest solution was literally like your your husband carries his letter around with him twenty four seven. Um, just just read the letter. Take like just read him. the letter. Yeah, take it from him. Like. He, like he might not know who you are, but you know that it's intended for you. Read the letter and see what it has to say. Um, and so she goes in the past so that he can give her the letter while he knows who she is as a person mm -hmm. before he forgets her. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the the takeaway from this wasn't necessarily like the message that she received was kind of like, okay, you know, he his wishes is that, you know, you actually think about yourself like don't just think about me all the time mm -hmm. she wasn't aware of this and there's no way for his present self to relay this message to her mm -hmm. so i think that this one didn't honestly have the kind of message that the other parts did mm -hmm. and maybe that's part of the reason why it worked because we didn't have this like quote-unquote kind of cliche message to get from it it just worked for what it's worth it was just kind of like hey like enjoy the time you have in the present because you don't know what the hell's gonna happen <laughs> and okay sorry to interrupt but yeah. this was the only time traveling conversation where the person who time traveled actually had meaningful conversation with their uh, with the person they were visiting yeah like she took the opportunity she's like i want to have a normal conversation with my husband mm -hmm. who actually remembers who i am and she's like talking to him and everybody else is like stumbling and doesn't know what to say and they're just awkwardly staring at each other i'm like dude you're only here for like five minutes hurry up and talk and say yeah. everything that you need to say and that was causing me so much frustration but in this part two she actually is able to just like have a normal conversation with him which is exactly everything she wanted yeah the part where um he's the part where he's like you're a nurse you know i have this disease and she's just like lying through her teeth and she's trying to put on this like this nurse and caretaker face where she's like no you get better you get better girl i was sobbing i was like oh my god i cannot do this at work right now <laughs> oh this part was so good again if you liked the first couple minutes of up you're gonna love this all right um part three we kind of talked about that we were kind of already like hit on this but um this was just kind of a regret story and um like you don't know what you have until it's gone kind of situation right and i think what made it worse was just like again the main character whenever she did get a chance to go back in time and talk to kumi to her sister um she was just so hung up on like don't die don't die don't die that she wasn't able to like properly apologize for all of like the hurt she did which was so frustrating i was expecting that i was waiting for that like i was waiting for her to be like i'm so sorry you came all these times to talk to me and i never wanted to approach you like like let her sister tell her what she wanted to say mm -hmm. like all these times that she was avoiding her and it, it just it kind of happened it kind of half-assed yeah it was it was uh, yeah i don't i don't know uh, okay, this, again, this might also touch on, like, the cultural differences between, um, Japanese and my, like, Peruvian and Chinese, like, different people, different cultures treat emotions differently, so that also might be, like, part of the nuance in this, um, that we might just be missing, um, if we are, then please, you know, feel free to tell us to shut up, um, part four was a mother and child so again this is when this part was so upsetting to me okay kai 
Kai. Kai knows that she is going to pass away in childbirth and she still decides to like have this child. And I did, I really, really did enjoy the conversation that Kai and Mickey had. Mickey was really hesitant to um, talk to Kai. It was almost like she was like scared of Kai. Um, I don't, we didn't mention this, but um, we didn't mention this in the summary, but Mickey actually travels back in time. Like Mickey appears in the chair randomly one day and takes a photo with Kai and then just like goes away um and I was like oh Kai has fans and then you put two and two together and you're like oh that's that's her daughter you know Mm -hmm. and again during that interaction and then also when Kai goes in the future um Mickey was so just like hesitant to like say anything to her mother. Like if I had that if I had that opportunity, if I was in that situation, I had the opportunity, I would again be like, we have five minutes. Tell me everything I need to know. Like, hello, I've lived my entire life without you. Also, like I've lived my entire life without you. I know how to like, I don't know otherwise, but also like, tell me everything, you know? Exactly. Um, I think that like this one also kind of had the fumbling in the conversation mm-hmm. that I was I was wishing we like Kai was going there to meet her future child, but I wish that she like was able to blurt out all of like this motherly advice to her. Mm-hmm. Like even though she only had five minutes or and just, you know, say how proud she is of her and all that stuff. Um so yeah, I was kind of wishing for a little bit more to the conversation. And I think for this one, in terms of, like, the messaging, it was just, like, she needed that validation that her child was there, that her child existed, that her Mm -hmm. child is happy, and that going through all of this will be worth it in the end. And she she got that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was really, yeah, she just wanted to make sure that, like, her decisions um, did not cause her daughter any significant, like sadness almost um Mm -hmm. which mickey kind of seems to be okay (laughs) so i mean that's that's all good (laughs) all right so finishing thoughts or final thoughts whatever you want to call it um this was a very good book to read at the beginning of the year because it emphasizes how quickly time goes by and it emphasizes how you cannot undo the past therefore live each day accordingly to whatever that means for you that's that's beautiful i think that actually works like it does kind of fit in with the new year um the whole theme it also like even the cover itself gives off like the cozy winter vibes even Mm -hmm. though it's sad and heartbreaking yeah um i for me i'm glad i read the book because it was definitely one of those books that i was intrigued by me too um and it was hyped up enough that i did want to read it Mm -hmm. um even though i'm disappointed uh, with the actual end result. I'm still happy that I read it. Me too. It, this was definitely, this has definitely been on my like TBR for a very long amount of time. So I'm very, very happy I read it and you should pick it up too. If you are in the right headspace, because again, there's a lot of very significant trigger warnings. So with that being said, Millie, what do we have next? episode (laughs) so for our next book um we are going to be picking up a adult sci-fi novella that i am recommending slash forcing greta to read um it's the psalm for the wild built by becky chambers um it is the start of a duology um and it's about this non-binary tea monk who is starting over in their life and traveling the world as a tea monk and they encounter this robot 
and the robot is basically trying to figure out what makes humans happy and it's their adventures and it's existential crisis i love it this is very much giving um what is it the friendly giant the iron giant but better i'm gonna cry I'm literally going to sob. Before we go, we did want to have a very serious conversation. And that is to remind everybody, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you're a book reader. Um, We would like to invite you to partake in the boycott of St. Martin's Press and all of their um, affiliated um, other publishing houses. Um, So the reason for this boycott, St. Martin's Press, um, one of their employees made some incredibly vile and racist comments on their website. This employee was not only spewing the most vile, racist, and vitriol on the public platform, but has also seemingly been exhibiting racist behavior in the workplace. Um, People have reached out to St. Martin's Press, and St. Martin's Press has proceeded to ignore the emails and has done absolutely nothing about this. So with that being said, we're partaking in the boycott, and you should be partaking in the boycott too. If you want more information on this, you can literally just do the hashtag like St. Martin's Press. It should show up there. Um, Also, I am going off of Satray Reads. That is their handle on Instagram. Um, And yeah, educate yourself on what's happening in Palestine. There's a genocide. You should all be knowledgeable of it. There is no place for racism on this podcast period end of story now that we got that little like public announcement out of the way millie where can people find us um you guys can find us on multiple platforms if you want to continue listening to the podcast you can listen to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcast and pocket cast additionally you can find our content on tiktok at the books we meet in the lib and instagram at the books we meet in the library and threads at the books we meet in the library Greta, where can they find you? You can find me at Greta's Favorite Things pretty much all over the internet. Millie, where can people find you? Um, you guys can find me on my booktube channel, uh, Into the Nook. And you guys can also follow me on Instagram at Into the Nook Realm. If you enjoyed listening to us talk about this book, um, I invite you to go listen to our other podcast episodes. Some of them are absolutely unhinged. Um, we would also super duper appreciate if you gave us a nice five-star rating on Spotify and on Apple Podcast. Um, as well on Spotify, we have a little like comment section comment box um if you have any recommendations for what books we should read please drop them in that comment box we review literally everything that comes in and we are currently in the process of building our 2024 book um book series so if we see something in there in there that interests us we will be adding it thank y'all so much we will talk to you in two weeks bye bye bye